0: The Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that presents a Baha'i perspective on life through interviews. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing a telephone interview with Bahman Payman, a Baha'i from Iran who came to the United States to finish his medical schooling. After completing his schooling, he returned to Iran and worked at a Baha'i hospital called Red Lion Society. When the Khomeini regime took over, they confiscated the hospital, assassinated the chief of staff, Dr. Hakim, and arrested or killed other Baha'i physicians working there. Bahman and his family happened to be in the U.S. when this happened, so he stayed in the U.S. and practiced medicine here. He's now retired and is volunteering for two Baha'i-inspired institutions, Health for Humanity and the Tahareh Justice Center. I started the interview by asking Bahman where he grew up and what was it like growing up
1: there. I grew up in, uh, I was born in Isfahan, Iran, and I was raised in Yaz, which is the central part of Iran, and after... uh, graduation from high school, I went to the medical school in Tehran, which is the capital of Iran,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I had seven years straight medical school after, of course, passing a very competitive exam, and then I passed another exam to come to America after I served my military in Iran, and I came to the United States and had my training. This was back in 1967, and then uh, I went back. I had my training in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I became a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology, and then I went back to Iran, and I was practicing first in Kerman, Shah, Iran, close to the Iraq border. And then I came back uh, to Tehran and worked in the Baha'i Hospital, which the name was Misaghi General Hospital. And after revolution, or right before the revolution, I came back to the United States and started my practice in West Virginia, and then I moved to Virginia, um, retiring here in Virginia. Now. Mm-hmm.
0: What was life like in Yazd?
1: Oh, Yazd is very conservative town, and the people are very religious in each group of religions. Of course, the majority in all of this town and cities in Iran are Muslim, Shia Muslim, and very religious city, Yazd yes, is, and was, and still is, and very prejudiced uh, against the minority, which I was born in a family of father. My father was Bahá'í, second generation Bahá'í, and my mother was Zoroastrian, and uh, she passed away now, and she stayed Zoroastrian all through her life.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, how is it that your family became Baha'i? Right
1: like my grandfather, with the same name as Bahman, became uh, Baha'i with uh, three other Zoroastrian merchants in the city of Kong which is holy city for Muslim people. So my father was Bahá'í and I grew up in the culture of uh, religions of Bahá'ís and Zoroastrian, because all of my maternal family and relatives were Zoroastrian and very strict. Uh, my father's sides were Baha'is, they were all Baha'is and again, strict. so. but I was raised in both religions and cultures and uh, after uh, become age 15, I decided to sign a paper to become a Baha'i because I realized that uh, uh, signing this paper, I'm not denying the roster, uh, the prophet and I progressed to the Baha'i faith, which Baha'u'llah was the promised one of the Rasian people, as it was for Muslims. So, by becoming Baha'i, I accepted all the divine uh, prophets of God, so I stayed Baha'i.
0: Mm-hmm. How did your mom feel about you? Uh,
1: she, she didn't uh, have enough, uh, she didn't have any objection. For me, becoming Bahá'í at all. And she would let us go to the Bahá'í gathering and classes. And actually, she was reminding us tonight or today is the day to go to this and that. Mm -hmm. She was always supportive.
0: Mm, I see. Now, did you experience any persecution yourself while you were in Yazd?
1: Oh, uh... as as I mentioned uh, the people are very prejudiced in that particular uh, town and during my elementary school I remember some of my classmates always uh, making fun of being Baha'i and and stone to us, throw stone at us on the way to the school and passing the first and uh, other things and actually that was the time one of the mullahs went against Baha'is and some of the Baha'is shops and houses were confiscated and burned and not execution but persecution was going on until this revolution came and then nine members of the local spiritual assembly of the Baha'is were all were all martyred Mm -hmm. and before that in the past they were in two times of two span of maybe 10-20 years between they executed seven members of the Baha'i faith and in the past, uh, that was the third, uh, I said nine member; it was seven members again, mm. uh, that was, uh, I made a mistake, yes. the last one after the revolution was seven member of the LSA, which was, uh, that was the last one, and they were executed, mm. and persecutions uh, been all the time, and still going on, mm-hmm.
0: You went to university?
1: Yes, I went to Tehran Medical School. Uh, Over there, we don't have a college. We we have college, but uh, for medical school, we don't have... We pass a competitive exam, and after that, we go to medical school for seven straight years. Mm. So uh, we don't have pre-med college. uh, So if we accept or if we passed that exam and accepted to the medical school. We are in a medical school and seven years later we become a physician, general MD and then if we want to come to America which most of the people wanted to and I was amongst them too we have to pass an exam, English exam and medical exam both to be accepted to the to have a training here in, uh, in the United States.
0: Mm-hmm. And where did you go to med school in the United States?
1: To a uh, residency program mainly. We have to repeat, at the time I came, we had to repeat one year internship. We already had two years internship back home. We had to repeat one year internship now at the time I came back in 1967. I had uh, repeated one year of internship, and then I applied for residency and specialty training, which I went to the hospital in Pittsburgh. I had my internship in New York, Flushing, New York, uh, and then I went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to one of the affiliated hospitals to the university to have my specialty training in obstetrics and gynecology.
0: So when you arrived in Flushing, New York, to do your internship, what was your first reaction to arriving to the United States?
1: Well, I always had a dream to come, uh, especially in New York, and uh, I was with uh, one of my uh, Muslim friends, a very close friend, so we both arrived there Uh, Before that, we had a stop in uh, uh, England, and uh, in London, England, and then over there, we had some problem uh, with language, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) which uh, I remember vividly, we wanted water when we went to the restaurant, and uh, they couldn't understand what we wanted, and I had to go to the kitchen and show them the faucet, (laughs) and... (laughs) Then they brought us the water. (laughs) 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 And we were so disappointed uh, by that. And then, uh, of course, uh, in America, we haven't had that problem as much as we had in Europe. Uh, Then we were separated. He was going to Pennsylvania, and I was coming to Flushing. So I had a shorter way to come and get accommodation. Uh, and uh, I was uh, very impressed by the facility in the hospital that I used. I was with uh, one uh, Korean doctor uh, in one room for a few nights, and then I selected my room, uh, private room. In the same hospital, they had a sleeping quarter, and we had, as an intern, we had a sleeping court close to the hospital which was uh, very unique because we back home in Iran we never had this facility at that time and it was very convenient at the same time you are close to the hospital you don't have to waste your time for traffic and driving and finding the parking place and this and that mm-hmm. so it was very I was very impressed from the First time I came uh, to the United States. Um, very good memory. And mm-hmm. I got married, actually, in Washington, New York, too.
2: Oh, really? Soon I... Months
1: after I arrived.
2: Uh-huh.
0: To someone you knew from Iran?
1: That is right. Uh, my present wife, uh, we were together for 38 years. And, mm-hmm. uh, my daughter, uh, first child was born in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. and my second child was born in Kermanshah, Iran when we went back and I was serving in a red lion society hospital in Kermanshah, Iran Mm -hmm. close to Iraq border
0: Yeah. so did your wife follow you to the United States?
1: that is right you know I knew her I knew her family and uh, it was you no, know, I decided to get married. I was getting old. <laughs> and, uh, I uh, thought, you know, it would be to my best to get married. So mm-hmm. I wrote to my uh, parents. And in the Baha'i faith, we have to have a permission of our parents. Uh, so she had the same thing. So they, we got the permission, and then she came to the United States. We got married in Flushing, New York, in February of 68,
0: 1968. hmm Was the student body diverse when you did your internship in Flushing?
1: And that was another thing I like, you know, as I mentioned, the first night I was with a Korean doctor in one room, and we exchanged some ideas about uh, our countries and other things, and. The group itself, you know, New York is the most diverse city I ever seen. I think still is, you know, is very diverse, and uh, I, I, I'm glad I selected New York as my internship. And I enjoyed my one year over there, and still sometimes for vacation, and medical education, I rather to go to New York than any other place if I <laughs> could mm. go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, it was very diverse in the hospital, in the public, uh, and uh, Manhattan is uh, never dying. You know, actually, life starts at night over there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Of course, I was, at the time, we were working hard every other night on call in a busy hospital. Of course, now the things are different. Uh, They realize that more rest... You give to your doctors and interns and residents, the patients get better care. So now there are some more regulations not to work as hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. or doctors hard. So they have every maybe second night or third night on call. But at that time we had to cover the hospital, emergency room, wards, floors, OR, ER every other night on call for when we were intern. And for my residency again, because I was in the field of OBGYN, I had to work every other night also. But we learned at the same time too, yeah. you know, just working hard and learning more. And mm-hmm. That's the way it was, but now it's a little bit different towards less on call and more rest. And more patient care than before. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you find that you had different experiences as an intern in the United States versus your medical experiences in Iran as an intern?
1: Yeah, but we, we were, as I mentioned, we were uh, working harder here every other night. Over there, when we were on call, uh, we didn't have to get up for starting IVs for the patients uh, here they had a special now they have a special team of nurses uh, that they do that for mm-hmm. uh, but in back in nineteen sixty seven we had to get up to start the iV or sometimes the medications on the patients and blood transfusions. we have to start the blood transfusions. Now they have a special team of nurses very well-educated nurses, but they mm. do that mm. for us, and we have to just, these days, the interns just get up when there is a serious problem or um, there is a need for MD rather than a nurse. And compared to Iran at, back in 1967, it was pretty much the same in both places, but the life was more relaxed back home than here. And the nurses, sometimes they would do some of the job at the middle of the night rather than calling us. And uh, we, the hospital would approve that. But here, with the more stricter regulations, we couldn't do that. So it was harder. But at the same time, as I mentioned before, uh, uh, we learned a lot from the small, even IV, this is a small job for a medical doctor, but we got some experience, uh, and some, it's not fun to get up at <laughs> middle of the night, for <laughs> right. the starting IV, which the nurses, most of them are, if not better, they are capable to do that. Right. And they will do that now, but at, in back in 1967, we had to stop this. Mm. And some I think I remember vividly one occasion that in New York, uh, when the patient needs uh, laxative, they said the patient needs physics. And uh, uh, we had to do a physical history and physical on every admission we got when we we were on call. So that, we would go and do it. Uh, Without that, the patient could not be admitted and the attending physician next morning would be mad if we wouldn't take the history and physical of that admission, which was usually emergency. So uh, one night when I was new, the nurse called me, this patient needs physics. I said, I just did her uh, uh, history and physical. He said... No doctor, she needs a physics. <laughs> and you know, when we are new here and I didn't know. So I got up and I went uh, to prove to her that I did her physical exam and wrote the history and physics and see the nurse said, oh, I meant she needs physics, she needs laxative. <laughs> so I learned like the, the jargon. New York, laxative they call physics.
0: Oh okay I didn't even know that for,
1: for my friend happened to see uh, they called ICU it this was very unusual for us intensive care unit mm-hmm. to called ICU uh, and this friend of mine says no I'm married I don't want to see <laughs> something like that it was funny you know the language sure. uh, sometimes uh, barrier this friend of mine was married and she was he was intern and this nurse says, uh, where, where, where is the patient? Where, where do you want me to come? He says, I see you. I said, no, 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 I'm a married man. I don't want to see you. <laughs> but she meant, I see you. Mm-hmm. So this was the uh, vivid things that I remember. And mm-hmm. every doctor has something like this in language. First few months, we had this problem. But later on, we enjoyed working with all of this, this even broken language, I still have English accent, you can tell. Hmm. I call it Pinglish. pinglish I listen <laughs> Persian <P-English> and English. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. that was fun to uh, work with the diverse people, uh, yeah. nurses, doctors. Right. And at the same time, learn about their cultures, uh, medicine and other aspects of their culture.
0: Right. So why did you have to leave Flushing?
1: Oh, because we have to repeat only one year internship, and then we have to get to the residency program. Uh. One year, this is mandatory reputation. Now, it's not that way, but they go straight to the uh, desired residency program. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have OBGYN, and I with, uh, I was lucky to get to this program because some of my friends from Iran were graduating from that uh, hospital in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so, and I was lucky to get interviewed by the chief of that department. Uh, he accepted me to become a resident, and I went with my wife to Pittsburgh, and my daughter was born there, so mm-hmm. when I was in second year residency of OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, uh, I voluntarily decided to go to Pittsburgh uh, mm-hmm. for residency.
2: hmm
0: and once you got your residency completed in pittsburgh what did you do
1: right i went to close by west virginia i practiced obgyn for one year almost one year and then due to some family uh, i had to go back to iran so we both went to iran and first i worked in Shah, iran and then i came back to Tehran University and worked with my professor in Tehran University in that hospital, which was a Bahai hospital and uh, after that was confiscated by the Khomeini regime and uh, they assassinated the chief of staff who was Professor Hakim, who was the professor for most of the present doctors are practicing here in America. He was the very famous anatomopathologist, and he had a section in Riviera Anatomy Book in France with his name, and he's uh, several holes in the body by his name, Hakim holes. And so he was the chief of staff, and he was assassinated in misavia Hospital. In actually, in his office, which was uh, next to the hospital, because of his religion mm. and uh, other, uh, being a Baha'i and friend of mine, who were we were working in Kerman Shah, who was uh, by the name Doctor Talim. he was uh, assassinated. He was uh, in uh, they brought him from Kerman Shah to uh, Tehran. And he was OBGYN, too, and he was assassinated. Hmm. He he was shot in Tehran. And another friend of mine who had a training in America, and we were classmates by the name Dr. Sadek Sadek, who was a psychologist, psychiatrist, I'm sorry, psychiatrist, and a Bahá'í. He was dismissed and apparently... Uh, executed, with uh, kidnapped and dismissed, and with other eight members of the NFA, National Spiritual Assembly of Iran, were dismissed and assumedly uh, executed in Iran, and he's, uh, he was my classmate also, and because he was Baha'i, the only crime he did was, because he was Baha'i, and the other one the same thing. And they all could uh, deny their faith and become a very successful doctor or um, freed from everything. um, But they did not, and they were executed. Mm -hmm.
0: And what about you? you? Was your life in danger?
1: Yeah, if I would be there, you know, being in the hospital... I left, uh, my family came to the United States three months before the revolution, and I came uh, a week before Shah left Iran. Otherwise, I would be having the same fate as the other friend of mine had, especially working in the Bahá'í hospital in uh, Tehran, Misoghia General Hospital. But the name is now Mustafa Khomeini. Hospital. They confiscated the hospital and uh, dismissed or executed Baha'i doctors and midwives and rest. And then they changed the name and executed the chief of staff, Professor Hakim, and some of the other members of the medical staff, which were Baha'i.
0: How many of you were able to escape to the United States?
1: Yeah, uh, fortunately I had my visa and I would come here every year or at that that time they would call it green card but now they call it blue card. I had that and uh, I had to come to the United States for renewal of that green card every year and at the same time to update my knowledge in my field. So everything was okay, and I could come with no problem. But the only problem I had, uh, I had a busy practice in that very famous Bahá'í hospital. Uh, So I had to find a doctor to cover me. And fortunately, I had a Muslim friend, and he accepted to cover me and uh, I could leave and I was coming to go back in three months but now it's almost getting 30 years I'm still here <laughs> mm. so yeah. that S- is my story
0: so when you left you were thinking you were going to come back but then things just went
1: the things you are hearing every day executing this that things are not getting better or getting more right how his houses were confiscated uh, doctors are being executed uh, so i uh, I could go back but uh, I didn't know whether I could return in one piece or <laughs> not at all you know right. so we, we just stayed and uh, of course yeah
0: what was the event or events that caused you to send your family away?
1: My children were going to the American school in Iran, and one day, uh, this was the time the Shah was in power and everything, yet, but uh, my daughter said uh, the driver of the bus uh, told us to lay on the floor because. Someone might shoot you. Uh, I said, oh, "Oh, this is a bad sign." And at that time, one of my friends was visiting me on. And he said, "Doctor, uh, this this is not a good sign." And let us go back all together to America. I said, "I can't, you know, but maybe my family." So decided, uh, I decided, or uh, we all decided. My family to come with like two children and my wife, it's A friend of mine came back to America three months before I came so and I'm glad they, a friend of mine you know was advising us to do, and we listened to him so and then, after that, every day was they were burning buses, they were shooting at the school and American school and embassy and and you know the rest. Uh, so mm. uh, that was yeah. the, So they came before me and then settled in Virginia. That friend of mine was in Virginia. And then the doctor, I was working in West Virginia before I went to Iran. So he told me to come and work with him again. So he settled in uh, West Virginia, close to Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania, and then he decided to come back to Virginia, and, and now I'm retiring in Virginia.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how long did you practice in West Virginia?
1: I practiced there once before. I went to Iran about a year, and then again, when I came back for two years, or two years in one place, and five years in another. Uh, Place in West Virginia, and then I moved to Virginia back in 86.
0: And why did you do that?
1: Because uh, the situation with liability insurance was very high. We, as OBGYN, they were asking in uh, West Virginia to pay 150000 yearly for just liability insurance to cover our uh, practice or now better wording is liability insurance. So uh, and uh, I couldn't afford to pay that, and the hospital they were paying me in my malpractice practice and liability insurance, and then I was on my own. Uh, and I said, "Oh, you have a good practice. You can stay here." I said, "Not with this liability. Uh, with hundred, uh, 80, 90 I was paying that, and then all of a sudden." went up to 150000 I said, $150,000. Right? Mm-hmm. So then I decided to go to Virginia, which has a lower rate of liability insurance. and uh, So that was the reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, how long did you practice in Virginia before retiring?
1: Yeah, since uh, AD, uh, I moved to virginia in 86 and then for 20 years i practiced there and then three years ago i retired mm-hmm.
0: so what are your plans for the future
1: well i do some uh, locum tenens, tenants what we call temporary feeling for doctors that they go because the some agency pays for my liability insurance and Wherever they need, actually, last month I went to a place in Virginia and covered the physician. Uh, And the agency pays for liability insurance and pays daily rate, which is all right. Mm. uh, But it's getting very competitive because lots of doctors are doing this now, especially OBGYN, due to the high cost of liability insurance again. Mm. but I'm semi-retired. Uh, yeah. You can call it semi-retired. Right. Doing this local temporary job for, filling for some doctors in the States where I'm having license, which is in West Virginia and Virginia. Yeah. And I do volunteer work for Native American in New Mexico during the past five years. I've been doing that in summertime in Shiprock, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I do volunteer three or four weeks uh, in those hospitals. And the doctors uh, could go on vacation, the other doctors. Mm -hmm. And health, I'm a member of Health for Humanity, which is a Bahá'í organization. Both me and my wife are a member, and we do some... Volunteer work with them
0: also. And what kind of volunteer work do you do?
1: Just, just in my field, OBGYN, mm-hmm. medically related to my field. And you do OBGYN, and my wife had a training of midwifery, so it's mm-hmm. is related field.
0: So it's in the Virginia area that you do this volunteer work with with this organization?
1: No, wherever they need. Mainly is for. Uh, Abroad, but I haven't had a chance to work in abroad yet. But recently I received an invitation that in Virginia, e- even if I can work uh, or see or check one patient or two patients a year as a, they organize the special Tahira uh, Society or Tahira uh, Foundation, for those uh, uh, molested and abused uh, children from uh, around the world, especially the Afri- uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I recently got an application to fill for that volunteer work in Virginia. But for Indian health reservation, because they are mainly governmental organizations, we don't need a license if we have one license in any state, we can practice in governmental hospital for a few months uh, as a volunteer with no problem. So, Ship Rock, New Mexico, which I go, I use my Virginia license or any other license is accepted in governmental hospital.
0: So, you were referring to the Tahira Justice Center in Washington?
1: That's right, right. That is right. Yes, I just recently got invitation for that.
0: Mm-hmm. So you think you'll take them up on uh, going abroad shortly?
1: Uh, this was the one I received. This was mainly for Washington, D.C. area, okay. Northern Virginia, which we are, uh, hopefully we are trying to relocate there, in Northern Virginia, in Fairfax County. Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully, with health of health for humanity, you may uh, travel abroad or work abroad or volunteer abroad.
1: That is right. You mm-hmm. know, it is. We are a member, both me, my wife, and myself, mm-hmm. and, and the make contribution for the organization. And mm-hmm. now we can contribute as a beside monetary, which we are doing now. <laughs> physically, we will mm-hmm. be doing some medical helping wherever is needed.
0: Yeah. How do you see your life would have been different if you did not have the Baha'i perspective in what you do?
1: You know, I would be uh, stuck mainly in my office, (laughs) Mm. concerned about my income, and uh, not helping other people, uh, not having any free visits, and uh, thinking all in a group uh, community, I practice, but now I have a broader aspect of the medicine and top of the thinking of the whole world, the problem of the world, rather than just one society. At the same time, I'm helping my own society and wherever I'm practicing uh, now, I already served, now in my retirement I could have broadened that uh, and go to volunteer work wherever there is a need, which is plenty of places in America even. Mm-hmm. There is a need for. And work done in the spirit of service, this is a Baha'i belief, is, is considered uh, worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was always my my motto in
0: life. Right? Mm. Bahman, thank you very much.
1: Oh, I appreciate uh, your time, and thank you.
2: Okay.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bahman Payman, a Baha'i and retired physician who had to abandon his native country of Iran because of his religious beliefs. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i Faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
3: feel the sun on the window pane. And now I know that I'm living Lights went out on the boats in the bay Just before the sun was risen So Friday morning has come again And oh what a gift I've been given All my time is my own today And what else could I have chosen But to give it to you Cause I can't give away what isn't mine And all that I have is my life and my time And the feel of a hometown where I landed They're slipping away, I'll be empty handed So all I can call these things my own gonna give them to you I hold the earth in the palm of my hand so say the wise and the sages I've got nothing but I'm working God's land I've got the wealth of the ages I'll wear the clothing of the common Doing the work of the angels Time flies like fine grains of sand My life is a turn of the pages And I'll give it to you Cause I can't give away what isn't mine And all that I have is my life and my time and the feel of a hometown where I land. Slipping away, I'll be empty handed. So, while I can call these things my own, I'm gonna give them to you. Amended to give it to you It's like giving away what isn't mine but Can I really claim my life or my time Or even the hometown where I landed the Slipping away, I'll be empty-handed So all I can call these things mine give them to you. And if I can call these things my own, I've got to give them to you. Can I really call these things my own?
4: as flowers grow and blend together side by side. and show
5: Protect, me Lord. Protect me. Oh, God, me, Lord. Guide me, Protect me Lord. Protect me, Lord. Make of me a shining lamp. Make of me a shining lamp. Make of me, Make of me a shining.
0: This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station.